Well, I'm super glad you're here today because we're starting a brand new series that we're uh, calling Follow the Cloud. Uh, I don't know about you, uh, but I have a love-hate relationship with my GPS. How many of you, how many of you have that same experience, right? Anybody? Yeah? Several so, so of you? I have this love-hate relationship. Does it irritate anyone other than me for it to tell you what you already know? You're cruising down the interstate about 75, and you finally, you hear it start to talk, and you finally get everybody in the car to be quiet long enough so you can hear it. And then it says something like this. In two miles, continue going the direction you're going. Why? I wasn't planning on turning. I don't need it to anticipate something I'm going to do and try, try to stop me from doing it. What do you mean continue going straight? I don't need you to tell me to keep doing what I'm already doing. I need you to tell me to turn when I need to turn, right? Anybody ever notice that? I don't know if this is like part of a touchy-feely part. It's like trying to affirm you. You're doing a good job. Yay. Keep driving. I don't really need that. I don't need affirmation. I need information, right? Just tell me what to do. I remember a few years ago, we were in Orlando on vacation, and a carload of us, and we were going to go over to the Polynesian Hotel that was built by Walt Disney World. If you've ever been there, it's beautiful. And you can actually just go check in at like 8 o'clock, 8.30 at the uh, guard check there. They'll let you in. Just tell them you're going to see the fireworks totally free. It's a beautiful... The only thing Disney's going to give you for free is that right there. Nothing else. And so you go in, and there's a beach behind the Polynesian, and you sit out on a, a, a lawn chair on the beach, the little man-made beach of the lake, and you look across the lake at the, um, the big golf ball at Epcot, and you watch the fireworks go off, and it is absolutely sensational. Well, we were on our way there. We couldn't remember how to get there, so we put it on our GPS. You know, navigate to the Polynesian Hotel. And somebody said, hey, how do we know that that's the right one? There might be multiple Polynesian hotels. Nah, there's probably only one. Put it in there. Let's go. 35 minutes later, in bumper-to-bumper traffic, we probably only went like four miles, you know, but it took forever because it was jammed in the, uh, in the uh, vacation season. We pull up to a Polynesian hotel or motel, that I think might have had hourly rates on the sign or something like that. But I can only tell you that it was not the Polynesian hotel that Walt Disney envisioned. I promise you that. It was a whole different Polynesia that we had arrived at. How many of you have ever been, ever been misled by GPS? Have you ever been misled? Yeah. How many of you have ever been misled by an advertisement or a commercial? Yeah. How many of you have ever been misled by a person? Oh yeah, about the same, right? Yeah. See, you don't have to live long to figure out you can easily get misled. And what it does is it creates this skepticism inside of us about following other people. And after being burned a few times, we're a little bit slower to jump on board. Uh, at least on an unconscious level, we believe that we can only trust ourselves. You can see it in our culture. Frank Sinatra, you know, romanticized this idea in the song he sang, I did it my way. You know, it might, it might have been a pile of nothing, but I did it my way. And that's more important than anything else. You've probably heard this phrase, if you want it done right, see? 
And that's where that kind of stuff comes from. This is the education we get in the school of life. And then one day we meet Jesus. And Jesus pushes back on everything we've learned in one simple invitation. He says, follow me. Wait a minute. That's countercultural to what we've been taught. Not lead yourself, not trust yourself, not go where you want to go, not do what you want to do. Follow me. Christianity is all about being led by someone else. That's what this whole series is about. Listening to God's voice and following by faith. Now I want to say I'm indebted to a pastor named John Stickle who wrote a book called Follow the Cloud. It's a good book. It's the inspiration of this series and I, I would recommend the book to you. Uh, it'll bless you. How many of you have ever heard the, um, this phrase, uh, or these initials, WWJD? You heard, how many can, can you tell me what that stands for? What would Jesus do? Okay, I want to throw a curveball at you this morning. The problem with that thought is it assumes that Jesus lived and died and he's a figure in history and he's not here now. What would Jesus do? So in other words, the only thing we can do is look back through 2,000 years of life, see the example that he lived, and try to repeat it somehow. Let me give you a different set of initials you've probably never seen, and you probably don't know what this stands for. W-I-J-D. What is Jesus doing? Because Jesus is present, and he's in the room, and my Bible says he didn't die. He rose back from the dead. It's called resurrection. We'll celebrate in a few months in Easter. And he's present by the Holy Spirit in this room this morning. That's a whole different reality. Exodus 13, I want to take you on a journey in this series and look at what it means to follow the Holy Spirit. To follow this Jesus that isn't dead. He's resurrected, alive, and present. What does that look like? Exodus 13, 21. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So here's the backstory to this verse and where we get the phrase, follow the cloud. After 400 years of slavery, what God says is, I've seen their misery, I've heard their cry, I'm concerned about their suffering, so I have come. He shows up on the scene and begins to lead. And God raises up this man named Moses to confront Pharaoh. He sends ten plagues and in a matter of a few days defeats the entire Egyptian nation and starts to lead his people from Egypt and slavery to the promised land and freedom. Now, have you ever stopped for a minute to think, if you know anything about this story, he's not leading a small group, he's not leading a small church, he's not leading a large church, he's leading one million people. Have you ever stopped to think, how do you lead one million people from Egypt to the promised land? More than that, how do you lead slaves? People who've been broken down and oppressed, who have serious internal wounds. How do you lead one million slaves into their destiny? Now let's just be honest about something. It's hard enough to get your family dressed and get them to hear at church on time, right? How would you lead one million slaves? Here's the answer. You give them a cloud. Now think about it. 
Of all the ways God could have chosen to lead his people, he chose a personal and present way because God is intimately personal and he is ever-present. And that's what he chose. So from this mighty cloud, he spoke with a gentle whisper and said, follow me. When I move, you move. When I stop, you stop. Wherever I go, you go. Keep your eyes on me, and I'll lead you the right way. Very simple. Now, this cloud is a, 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 a physical picture of a spiritual truth. Today, the cloud is not above us. Today, the cloud is in us, and it's not a thing. It's a person, and his name is the Holy Spirit. And so the cloud lives inside you. The New Testament says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Look what Galatians 5.25 says. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep, circle that word, step. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step. When He steps, you step. When He stops, you stop. When He steps, you step. Let us keep in step. So what does it look like to, for, uh, to have a life, to live a life, Following the Holy Spirit. Two simple thoughts this morning. Number one, God leads in small steps, not in giant leaps. How many of you heard the phrase leap of faith? Leap of faith. Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. That sounds more like something a casino would sell you or a get rich quick program. I'm not saying God will never lead you there, I'm saying 99% of the time, it's not going to be take a leap of faith. It's going to be take your next step. Now, why would I be able to say that? God will lead you in small steps, and with each step, you'll gain the faith to take the next step because that's how relationships work. If you meet someone one day and that night go find a justice of the peace and get married and take a leap of faith, it's probably not going to work out. You know why? That's not how relationships work. Relationships work by taking a step at a time. And God is interested in you in the long run, not for the quick fix, not for the moment, not for the big explosion. He's in no hurry. He wants to walk with you and be with you and lead you step by step. See, the Israelites didn't leap from slavery in Egypt to the promised land. They took who knows how many steps, maybe thousands. But they went one step at a time. How many of you remember when you were a kid used to um, have the little coloring books, I guess they're still around, called Connect the Dots? Remember that? I'll show, I'll show you a picture of one. Remember these right here? All you OCD people are looking for where number one is, right? Because you want to <laughs> follow the rules, right? Number one. Well, it's up there. It's right by 15 over here. But if you remember how Connect the Dots work, you start with one, you go to two, you go to three, you go to four, you go to five, you go to six, but you have no idea what you're drawing. You have no idea what that's going to be. I don't know what that's going to be. I still don't know what it's going to be. I haven't connected the dots yet. But if you were to take a pen and connect the dots, in a few minutes you'd start to see a picture. Is that not a great example of how God leads us? You don't know the end of your life. You don't know the whole dream. You don't know the whole picture. You don't know the whole thing. But if you'll just take the next step. If you'll just connect the next dot, Jesus has the picture and he'll give it to you as you take one step at a time. Usually all God's going to give you is direction and the next step. Go this way, take this step. Why? Because he wants you to learn to live dependently on him. He said, look, if God told you everything about your life, it'd blow your mind. 
If he said, let me tell you what dot 483 is, you'd go, I'm out. <laughs> I quit. Let's be honest. If you knew 10 years ago what you'd be doing today, if you knew five years ago what you'd be doing, maybe if you knew a year ago what you'd be doing today, you might have said, I can't, I can't do that. But the way you got here is you took one step at a time. And it got you here. See, God speaks in sentences, not in paragraphs. So let's look at uh, one, of the, one of the stories you probably remember in Scripture. Maybe you've heard this story. The Apostle Peter is a fisherman, and he's been out all night fishing. He's not been doing well, and uh, he's caught nothing, and he's cleaning his nets, and he's cleaning the boat. And Jesus says, walks up to him that evening and says, hey, um, or that morning, he says, hey, uh, Peter, can I borrow your boat? One sentence, one step. Okay. <laughs> Can you push it out from shore? Okay. A crowd gathers. Jesus stands up and teaches for a little while, preaches a sermon from the boat. And then he looks at Peter and says, Can you take the boat out into deep water? Okay. <laughs> but really, really, I, you know, I've already been out there and there's nothing. Like I fished all night and there's nothing. I really don't want to go back. I've already cleaned everything. I don't want to clean it again. Okay. Then they get out there and Jesus says, hey, why don't you throw your net over into the deep water? Really? Really? Jesus, listen, listen, listen. I'm a fisherman. That's what I do. It's my profession. I know how this works. You're a carpenter. We're not trying to build things. We're trying to catch fish, and I know all about that. I've made my whole life. I've ate pretty well. It, look, I done cleaned everything. I don't want to go through all this again. I, I, I just, just let's start again tomorrow. Jesus says, throw your net over. So he does. One more sentence, one more step. And he, he locks into a school of fish so large that the net begins to snap and break. And when he hauls them in the boat, it won't even fit in the boat. So he brings another boat over and he puts the fish in two boats. And there's so many fish that both the boats start to sink. And then Jesus looks at Peter and says, from now on, you're not going to catch fish. You're going to catch people. Come follow me. One sentence at a time, one step at a time. Now, let's rewind that story and pretend for a minute that Jesus showed up in paragraph form. Now, what if Jesus would have said, okay, Peter's putting his gear up, he's cleaning everything, and Jesus says, hey, I need to borrow your boat, I need you to row it out a little bit, and then I'm going to stand and preach a sermon when people gather, and then after that, we're going to go to deep water, and I'm going to ask you to throw your net back in the water again, you'll catch so many fish, your net's going to start to break, and so many fish that your boat won't hold it, and you'll bring another one, and then they'll start to sink, and it will be the greatest moment of fishing in your entire life and right at that point at the best moment of fishing in your life at the pinnacle of your business success I'm going to ask you to leave it all behind and come follow me furthermore I'm going to ask you to do something you were never educated to do you grew up a simple fisherman I'm going to ask you to preach and to be a missionary and to write a few books of the Bible you know little simple things and by the way it's not going to be all that good for you you're going to make a lot of mistakes along the way, and you're going to lie about even knowing me. And Most of the world's going to remember you for your mistakes more than your successes. Every Sunday morning all over the world, you're going to be the brunt of every pastor's joke. You'll deny me three times I'm going to die. And, and then I'm going to ask you to get up and preach the gospel to people who want to kill you. You in? 
There's a reason God doesn't speak in paragraph form. God doesn't give you the whole picture. See, in the kingdom of God, we don't understand and then obey. We obey and then we understand. We have to let go of our need of logically understanding everything by reason that can only be grasped by faith. That's why Jesus says, you know, they ask him a question, what is this? What's that going to be? He says, come and see. Come and see. Proverbs 16, 25 says, there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Let me give you that in a little bit different uh, phraseology. What looks good to you is probably the worst option. The steps he asks you to take aren't always going to make sense to your mind or your history or your experience. He's going to ask you to give when you want to take. He's going to ask you to forgive when you want an apology. He's going to ask you to go when you want to stay. He's going to ask you to stay when you want to go. Because he's leading you to a picture that he has for your life. I, I can remember um, when God called me to ministry... I, I was like a, a, you know, it scared me at first, and then once I got used to the idea, like I was all about it. And I can remember it being like a Tasmanian devil trying to charge hell with a water pistol. You know, I'm ready to go. All fired up and nowhere to go. You know, no, didn't know what to do. And uh, I had no idea what my next step was, and it didn't matter to me. I could care less. Uh, my high school principal, who happened to be a very godly man, pulled me aside and uh, he said to me, hey, you know, put his arm around me, he said, you know, when God calls you to be a pastor, inside that call is the call to go and prepare. So you need to go to college and you need to prepare. Now that was the craziest thing I'd ever heard. I'd spent my whole life trying to get out of school. I didn't want to go back. I'm like, no, I'm finally almost free. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Are you kidding me? And, you know, my response was, didn't you hear me? I don't need school. God has called me. God has called me. I don't need school. What do I need school for? I've got a higher authority than school. I've got God. But in a little while, something about that seemed right. And after working three jobs and raising money for a while, I finally earned enough to go start my first year of school. And I, I met this little blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl. And I asked her to the Valentine's banquet. And she had a little blue dress on with white dots on it. And she had broken her uh, hand playing intramural powder puff football. And she had a cast on one of her hands, on her arm. And her roommates had decorated her little cast with blue ribbon and little white bows. And when I asked her, she agreed to go, but she wanted to go as friends. Well, I already had friends. I didn't need any more friends. Wasn't interested in being friends. And eventually, uh, apparently, I just wore her down because she married me. And then we became youth pastors in Florida, and we were there six years. And the pastor that I served there was new. He had only been pastor for about a year. And he had followed a pastor that had been there 29 years, and I watched that, and I saw how hard that was. And I remember across those six years of meantime saying, I don't ever want to do that, because that's hard. Well, then we moved to Mississippi, and I was 29, and the former pastor was 69, and he had been in a relationship with that group of folks for about 40 years. And I did that. 
And then when I was 39, we moved here and we followed our pastor here who had been here 35 years. <laughs> it didn't seem logical to me the steps I was taking. But I was connecting the dots. And I was just following the next step that God gave me. And as I look back, I can see what God was doing. But it all started with me taking one step to go to college. But it just made no sense to me at the time. And had you had told me when I took that step that we would be here doing this today, I would have said, I'm out. Because I can't handle it. I can't handle all of that. But you know what I've learned? God's steps are always better than our plans. See, God's not trying to take everything away from you. He's trying to give everything to you. But in order for you to hold what is in his heart, you have to let go of what is in your hand. Small steps, not giant leaps. Here's the second thought. Each step will help you discover who you are, who he is, and what you were created to do. See, the point was not just to get them from Egypt to the promised land. If it was, he would have just picked them up and zapped them over there. The goal was not to take them to a new land. The goal was to prepare them for a new life. And every step will lead you through basically these three things. And I'll show you um, a picture here on the screen. These three things is what God is always working in your life regardless of how it looks today. He's always working on the grace of God, the presence of God, and the kingdom of God. The grace of God is where you get your identity from. That's when you get saved. That's when you receive forgiveness. That's when you start. Then you move to the presence of God, and that's where you grow in relationship. And then you move to the kingdom of God, and that's where you understand your purpose. See, when I receive the grace of God, I'm no longer the person I was. I've been transformed into a completely new person. That's what we're going to talk about next week is the grace of God. It's a complete identity change. When you and I were born, we were born sinners, but we received God's grace, and now we've been born again, but this time not in a sinful way, in a righteous way. We've been born righteously. Now we can live out of the new identity, not trying to earn it. And then you have the presence of God. The Bible says in His presence there's fullness of joy. In Him we live and move and have our being. You were made to be fully loved without fear of rejection. That's what the presence of God is. In the New Testament, the Bible tells us that we are to enter into the throne of grace with boldness. Because the presence of God has been made available to us. And then, then we move to the kingdom of God which is our, where we find our purpose. Genesis 1.28 says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over every living creature that moves along the ground. Now when we read that verse, what we hear is, have a bunch of kids. I think some of you maybe even used that verse at home. It does mean that, but it means much more than that. It means be fruitful. Bring things to their full potential. 
multiply, reproduce the life of God in you and in the world around you. Bring order and alignment to the chaos. Use the resources God has given you to accomplish God's purpose in the lives around you. See, if I receive His grace, I will want to live in His presence and I will want to reproduce His kingdom all around me. If I receive His grace, I will want to live, I will crave His presence and I will want to live the life He's created me to live. When I know who I am, I know who he is, and I know what I'm created to do. When I know I am forgiven, I have nothing to be afraid of, and I can live a life of courage. Do you see how those three things work? Now, watch this. The reverse is also true. If I resist his grace, I avoid his presence, and I build my own kingdom. Guarantee you... If you're, if, you're, if you're earlier in your walk with God, we only learn this as we go. When you sin, your tendency is to run from God. So when I resist His grace, I avoid His presence. You know what I've noticed being a pastor for a long time? When people go through problems, they usually leave church for a while. They fade away. They back up. They go. When things start to go wrong, rather than pressing into the grace of God and the community that is designed to help them, they fade away, become irregular, move away. You can't find them. What happened to them? What's going on? Nobody knows. Because when I resist His grace, I run from His presence, and I try to build my own kingdom. If I don't know who I am, I don't know who He is, and I don't have any idea what He wants me to do. If I think I'm an orphan, I'll be afraid of the Father, and I'll spend my life searching for significance. So the kingdom of God flows this way. Everything in our world flows this way. The top is a life that follows God. The bottom is a life without God. And so, and by the way, this is how all religions, most religions in the world work, and they teach. If I will do these things, if I will do my purpose... I will earn my way into the presence of God and I will pay for my own sin and find salvation. That's what reincarnation is. That's what most of the religions of the world are. If you knock on enough doors, if you do enough work, then you'll earn God's favor and you'll be allowed into his presence and then you'll be saved. You'll be one of the chosen ones. This is the exact opposite of what God has set in his kingdom. His kingdom flows this way, and it starts with grace and a new identity and moves to relationship in his presence and then God's purpose for your life. This is the gospel, and it's not for the forgiveness of sins alone, and it's not just for salvation. It's not get out of hell free card. That's not what it is. It's not for you to pray a salvation prayer and then go back to the life you came from. It is intended for complete, radical, life-changing transformation. A new life, a new identity, a new way. See, if you and I spend more time talking about what we got to do than what he did, something's wrong because he didn't say I'm working on it. He said it's finished. He ended it. So we try to change how we behave. Jesus tries to change what we believe. Because if we believe, we sang it a few minutes ago, I am all he says I am. And if you can get that belief anchored in your mind, you can unpack the grace of God and live a life of purpose in his presence. But it comes from identity. You don't work your way to identity. You receive God's grace that gives you a new identity. 
So if you're not free today, I promise you it's not a behavior issue. It's a belief issue. You are living up to exactly what you believe you are. And if you believe that you are a beloved son or daughter of God who he will never reject or shame, you can live up to something more. Because your belief is set right. See, this is what happened to Israel. Even when God brought them out of slavery, they still believed themselves to be slaves. And they acted like slaves. And they thought about God like they thought about Pharaoh. He's just a new taskmaster. And they had spent their lives building bricks for Pharaoh, the king of darkness. If he would have taken them directly from slavery to the promised land, do you know what they would have done to the promised land? They would have made it a land of bondage. Because that was their mentality. You will enact around you what is in you, and that's what would have happened. He couldn't take them. He had to transform them first, which is the reason he didn't just zap them from Egypt to the promised land. He had to take them on a journey, and that's what the journey's for, total life change. So when God says to you, take this step, he's got a picture of you in mind you hadn't seen yet. And he's trying to transform you and change you into the person that his grace has made your new identity to be. He led them one step at a time. They crossed the wilderness. They crossed the desert. They ate manna from heaven. They had shoes that didn't wear out. They fought giants. But every step was intended for greater freedom and to heal their heart. Now, um, if you go on our church website, we've created a little little scene uh, that says next steps. And we're, we're working on it and we're trying to build... These steps, you can go on the app or whatever or the website, and we're trying to build these steps that we think people can take whenever God tells them it's time for them to take them. So it's accessible to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we're doing that because we recognize that God leads different people at different ways at different times, and we don't know what your next step is, but we know what a lot of the steps are. And when it's time, you can take that step. So you can look on there and take a step if it's time to take a step. But look, we don't take the next step to do something for God. We take the next step to allow God to show us how much he's already done for us. It's done. It's finished. So my challenge to you during this season is to take the next step that God has put in front of you. Wouldn't your life be better? Just think for a minute. Wouldn't your life be better if 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 you if your life was filled with God's grace and God's presence and God's kingdom wouldn't your life be better if you lived his identity and in relationships like he wants you to and lived the purpose that he created you to live wouldn't your life be better sure what's the downside but there are these moments in life where we get stuck And God comes to us, the Holy Spirit comes to our heart, and and He invites us, He draws us out of that place that we've been stuck. He begins to talk to us and speak to us and minister to us and encourage us, and He begins to help unpack and say, hey, have you seen this dot right here? There's another dot, there's another step, there's another place. We, We humans tend to get in a rut we get in a routine we get stuck we don't know what else to do we don't know where to go and he knows that and he knows that your next step is likely to be counterintuitive to you 
And you'll never figure it out on your own. Probably won't. But that's why the cloud who's inside of you moves. And says, hey, where you were looking, I'm not there anymore. I use this in your life at this season to do the change and the healing and freedom that needed to happen. But I'm not working in it in your life anymore. I'm working over here. And every step is designed for you to live in greater freedom, greater healing, greater identity, greater presence of God, greater purpose of God, and to know that you are a beloved son or daughter of God. You're in a whole different relationship. Nobody can take the next step for you. Nobody can do it. And, and, and by the way, nobody can make you hear God's voice. Nobody can do either one of those. Like, it, it, it never works. But can you imagine, what? Just, just turn on your imagination for a minute. Can you imagine what our church would look like by this fall if everybody at Kingwood just took one step? Can you imagine what it would look like? You wouldn't recognize this church by fall. If everyone would just take their next one step, whatever, whatever it is. Psalm 32, 8 says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Stop right there. I will counsel you with my loving eye. So when we talk about next steps and we talk about what's God got for you next, it's not about, hey, it's time for you to get going. You've been sitting around too long. That's not it. It's not, hey, if you try a little harder or work a little harder, that's not it at all. What, what God says in this verse is, I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. If God is love, then everything he asks you to do is loving, especially the steps that make no sense. I have no idea where you are this morning, but I believe wherever God is leading you is better than where you've been because he's loving. God is love. And like the Israelites, the Bible says, God has heard the deep cries of your heart and is really concerned. So he has come not just to lead you out of bondage, but to lead you into freedom. When you get saved, you're forgiven, but it doesn't mean you're free. It's much easier to, to, to receive salvation and freedom than it is to walk in it. And God loves you so much that he keep laying these little steps in front of you because he wants you to learn to walk in freedom. He's not just taking you to a destination, he's taking you to become something completely different. There's a man or a woman he's got in mind for you to be, and it only happens as you take those steps. Now, with every step the Holy Spirit asks us to take, one question keeps popping up in our mind like a red light on a dashboard. Can God really be trusted? To which God smiles back at you and answers, Come and see. <laughs> Come and see. I got nothing new to tell you. 
I, I, got no, I got no wizardry. I got no nothing that's going to shock your mind. I'm never going to be able to explain it to you or reason it to you or logic it to you. I'm not going to tell you all 812 dots that are coming. I'm not going to do that because it will overwhelm you. What he says is, come and see. Come find out for yourself. Can God be trusted? The only way you know if you can trust God or not is to take a step. You're never going to trust him just, just parked where you are. But when the Holy Spirit begins to draw on your heart and says, look, I love you. I want to help you. I want you to walk in freedom. I want you to become the man or woman of God that I've always dreamed you'd be. Would you just take one step? And, and, and his, his answer to you is, come and find out. Come and see. I'm here for you. So uh, as we wrap up this morning, I've got a question for you. We prayed about it as we ended worship. Do, do you know that Jesus is present? He's here in the room. Can you hear what he's saying to you? See, he's not going to leave anybody out. He loves everybody the same. Doesn't matter your background. Doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't matter how much money you make. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter what's been done to you. He will not leave anybody out. So the question is, do you know that Jesus is in the room and can you hear his voice? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? See, the cloud is moving. Man, I don't know, maybe this is your very first Sunday and you, you haven't been here in the last few weeks. Maybe you have, but either way, let me explain this. In January, we had the most profound time of prayer and fasting that I've ever been a part of. It was powerful. The cloud is moving. The Holy Spirit is moving. He's moving in your life individually and He's moving in this church corporately. And my question is, can you see it? Can you hear it? Do you know it? The cloud is moving. And when the cloud moves, we move with Him. Right? But the cloud is inside you. And, it's, and He's called the Holy Spirit. So this cloud's on the move and he's speaking with a gentle whisper. The question is this morning, what's he saying to you? So let's stop right there. Would you stand with me? What's he saying to you? Every eye closed. You could find a place you could just stand and be comfortable for a minute. Let's turn our, let's turn our, um, let's open our hearts and kind of turn our spiritual ears on and see if we might discern or hear or understand what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. See, God's not going to, God's not going to move in this church in a way that any person's left behind. He will speak to you and he will speak to the whole church in a way that works together because, because that's the kind of God that he is. So what's he, what's he saying to you this morning? Is he saying, maybe he's saying, hey, come back next week and be part of this series. Maybe you're brand new. Maybe this is your first Sunday or the first time you've been in a while and the Holy Spirit's just nudging you and saying, hey, this series is for you. Be part of this. Maybe he's saying, it's time to forgive someone. Maybe he's saying, it's time to let go of a relationship. Or to start something new, or to let go of something old, or to take your next step. I, I want to ask the prayer team if you would come and get into place.
the same question we've had all day. Do you know what your next step is? Is it clear to you what the Holy Spirit is working on in your life right now? Is it clear to you what He's asking you to do in this season? Not so much in this moment, not so much in this day, but in this season. Do you know, do you know the step that you're taking? Like I went off to college, that was a four-year season. The children of Israel, you know, camped and journeyed and traveled across 40 years. It was a season filled with steps. Sometimes, some days you'll get a new step. Sometimes you'll be on that step for weeks or months or maybe even a few years. But do you know what the step is the Holy Spirit's given you for today, for this season? If you know what that step is, with every eye closed, I want you just to lift your hand and say, I know, I know what that step is. I know what God has put in front of me for this season. You just lift your hand. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good. I know what that step is. Good. If today you say, I don't know what that step is, but I want to know what it is. You know, maybe it's to receive God's grace and forgiveness. Maybe, I had this feeling as I was praying this morning that there were going to be people at church today that you've, you've sinned pretty bad recently. And you're living under condemnation and shame and judgment and you feel bad about it. And, and the truth is you're trying to figure out how to get back to God. And God says today, you don't have to earn your way back. You receive grace. You receive forgiveness. And you're there. You don't have to earn. You don't have to pay for. He already paid for. What you do is just confess. Say, Lord, this is what, this is what happened. Now I receive God's grace to fill my life. If you don't know what your next step is, but you want to know what it is, see, I, I'm, I'm going to ask God today to tell me what he wants me to do next. Would you lift your hand and say, that's me. I want to know, I want to know what God wants me to do next. God's good. He's not going to trick you. He's not going to make it complicated. He's going to help you. With every eye closed, if you know what your next step is, I want you to come to someone on the prayer team and say, would you pray with me? I'm, I'm in the middle of that step, and I want to know that, I, that I'm uh, walking in God's grace. I want to know. I, I, I want prayer today. I want to meet God again in this step. If you don't know what your step is, I want you to come to someone on the prayer team and just say, would you pray with me that God will help me to know what, he, what I need to do next? And what's going to happen right now is Jesus is present in this room. He is going to speak. We've done our best to open our eyes and open our hearts, and Jesus is going to speak, and he's going to lead you, and he's going to guide you because he loves you. And maybe you're hearing that little thought about forgiveness was for you if that was you I want you to come and say would you pray with me today that I would accept God's grace that I would either start a relationship with Jesus or I would be forgiven as I begin to pray I want you to come right now Lord I pray now as we respond to you that you would fill this place with your grace and your presence 
and the kingdom of God would flood through this time. Lord, I ask you by your mercy that you would let your presence guide, that we would see the cloud, that we would know the next step, that we would know the move that we need to make. Lord, I pray you would remove every hindrance from hearing. You would remove every barrier now, every, every, uh, every divisive thing or frustrating thing or every, every uh, experience we've had that makes us think we're all on our own. God, I pray you'd remove every one of those now and your voice would be heard in this room. Speak now, Holy Spirit. Lead and guide. Lead and guide this morning. Lead and guide this morning. Speak to them. Speak to them.